This is Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. The podcast for creatives, voice directors, and voice actors, helping you make the most of every single booking. If you make videos, ads, audiobooks, or anything with a voiceover, then this is the podcast for you. Let's make voiceovers better. Let's start talking creative. Hello and welcome to Talking Creative, the podcast all about the dark art of voiceover directing. I'm Samantha, a voice actor and director. Now this episode is a bit of a special one because it's a collaboration between this podcast and the wonderful VoiceOver Social podcast, which is hosted by Nick Redman and Leah Marks. About 10 days ago in January 2022, if you're listening in the future, we held a workshop on Zoom called How to Direct and Be Directed. So there was a live audience of voice actors and directors and producers, and Nick, Leah and I had a panel discussion all about voice directing. There were then some questions and answers from the audience, and then a live directing session with three voice actors, followed by some breakout rooms. So it was quite a big evening. It was over two hours long. Now, the whole idea behind the event was to look at how to make our recording sessions as brilliant as possible, how to get the most out of every session as directors and as voices. So both sides of the glass bring their own expertise and talent to the studio, whether you're directing remotely or in person. If you're a director who has ever shied away from in-person directing and just thought, well, I'll just let the voice get on with it in their own time. Or maybe you're a voice who wants to know how to prep properly before a session. What do you need to really think about or do? Or perhaps you simply get anxious before a session, whether you're a voice or a director. So this should be a really useful episode for you, because there are lots and lots of practical tips and insights Now, today's episode is the first part of that evening event, up to the point where we started the live directing. So we'll have the directing part next week, but I've separated them out because it turned out to be this hugely long single episode. And also there was so much that I didn't say during the panel discussion that I wished I had been able to. And there were times where I didn't explain things I felt as well as I could have done. So you'll be able to hear what I said and what I wished I'd said, because that's also really useful. And we don't always do stuff perfectly. And that's the beauty of a podcast like this. I'm able to do that, go back and sort of think, actually, what would have been really useful at this point was if I'd have said this or that. So even if you were there on the night, there is more added stuff here. So where we're kicking off is right at the start, where we're all introducing ourselves. So if you don't know who Nick and Leah are, you soon will. And I'll also leave in my bit about what Talking Creative is all about. Let's kick off with our panel then. So I am Leah and I co-host and produce the VoiceOver Social podcast and I'm also a voiceover and an actor and uh, I am an audio drama production person and I occasionally read the news on the radio. 
And for those of you who uh, don't know me yet, my name is Nick Redman. I'm a voiceover artist, a podcaster, i.e. this one. And I also make another one called The Voice Coach Podcast, which is a weekly podcast, little episodes, just taking you step by step through the voice technique training process for speakers. Um, And I, uh, what else did I need to say? I'm also a voice coach, obviously, with that podcast. And I help all sorts of speakers primarily microphone users with uh, voice technique, warming up, vocal health, all that kind of shenanigans. So if you need to know your larynx from your elbow, I'm your gal. So I'm, I'm Sam. I am a voiceover and a director. I started as a voice at the BBC and then I spent about 25 years being a promo creative, creative head director. So I was directing voices every day. And then when I left there about five or six years ago, I became a full-time VO. So that's and my And you're also background. a podcaster. What is your podcast called and what is it about? Oh, yes. I am a podcaster. <laughs> it's um, So the podcast is called Talking Creative. And Talking Creative was, is all about voiceover directing and trying to make the whole experience of voiceover directing better for both voiceovers and for directors. Because one of the reasons was that when I became a voiceover, I realised that actually an awful lot of directors out there don't necessarily, a lot of them do know how to direct, but a lot of them don't necessarily know how to make the voiceover, get the most value from their voiceover. And we are, should be, quite expensive. <laughs> so yeah, I think people should be getting the, <laughs> making the most out of them. I think pe- I, I found directors were just kind of, you know, tickling the surface of what we could actually do, what we could actually offer. So that was actually behind the whole premise behind Talking Creative as an idea. First of all, uh, I want to think about from the start of a session, before the session even begins, what sort of preparation needs to be done in advance on both sides of the glass. So Sam, do you want to kick off with this one? Yeah, sure. So making contact with your voiceover is really important before the before the session actually kicks off. And the, the best thing you can send them is probably the music that you're using or going to use and the script, because those two things are the things that they really, really need. And it gives the voiceover a chance to get familiar with what they are walking into and so that they have a a fighting chance of being able to check things like pronunciations, go through the script, see if it actually makes sense when they read it out loud, make sure you really can get it into 30 seconds or five minutes (laughs) or whatever. What? Ridiculous. But and and really kind of get to grips with what the uh, (laughs) what 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 is actually happening, what you're being asked to do. And I might add that I I very rarely get these things in advance. I don't know what other voiceovers feel, but I don't always I certainly don't always get the music in advance. But but some directors absolutely do send you all those things. And, And if you can, if you if you've never worked with them before, it's really good to to pick up the phone and have a quick phone call with them as well. What I didn't um, bang on enough about here was the planning part, I felt, because planning always sounds really dull, but it's really, really crucial to a good directing session. I've watched a lot of creative people work over the years, and even if the end product looks really effortless, you can bet your bottom dollar that the really excellent end products are very rarely off the cuff. Good planning and communication allows you to get the very best out of people because it gives them and you space and time to be more innovative. And a couple more things as well. The script I mentioned. Do make sure that you've read it out loud to yourself and that it's well laid out on the page, preferably with no sentences that straddle different pages. 
Because if you've got up sound that the voice is speaking around, the bit where the audio interrupts the script, you really need to write down these cues accurately. Just the last part of the sentence is enough. Because although time codes are useful, and they're particularly useful for editors, the voice isn't looking at the screen. They're reading the script. So they're listening out for audio cues. And if they're written down in front of them, that's really, really useful. I'm also not sure that I really explained here why music is so important. I mean, I sort of see it as a given, but I think it could be explained a bit better. I'm really passionate about this because when I'm coaching or directing, I try to use music as much as I can because it's a really important part of a successful session, particularly if you're dealing with commercial or corporate scripts, anything that has a music bed underneath it. And next week, when we do the live directing part, it'll be really clear. But music is brilliant because what it does is it captures an emotion and it helps the voice to access a certain energy and pace. And it cuts straight to the chase. So the voiceover will understand what tone and mood they need to bring to the script really, really quickly, which is incredibly useful if you're short of time. And as an aside, this is also worth remembering when you are asking for auditions. If you can, give the auditionee voices access to the music because I can guarantee you will get a much better selection of auditions to choose from if you give them that as something to work with. Anyway, back to Nick. I had just mentioned picking up the phone and talking to your voiceover before a session, if you can. That's a good point, actually, because also I think as a voiceover artist, sometimes if you're working with a new director who's never never done anything before there's lots of people out there using voiceovers for the first time because there's so many different ways we can use voiceover now mm. it's just saying to them you know it can really help if you send me this this and this so kind of step them through the process yeah. if you need to and as a director don't be afraid of asking them and saying it's my first time what do you need you know really outline it I think from a voice perspective and from a performance perspective I think anything you can do that makes you feel grounded and centered and comfortable before you go into a directed session there's always an element of like adrenaline and nerves when you know there's somebody at the end of the line or on the other side of the glass so anything to uh, sort of bring your energy down anything with the body so a few wee spine rolls a bit of jiggling around uh, loving out a jiggle and getting the getting the body going to sort of just dissipate all that nervous energy and that adrenaline because uh, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. And from a voice perspective, what am I going to say here? I mean, stay hydrated uh, a couple of days before, definitely. If you know you've got a directed session coming up, always stay hydrated. Uh, there's no point chugging two pints of water before you go into the session because you'll just piss them off because you'll need to leave for a week. <laughs> and it doesn't do anything to your voice. So you got to be constantly <laughs> hydrated all of the time. Everybody, whoop, whoop, whoop. See if my Pavlov's dog so, yeah. for my podcast. Look at it, everybody's there. Oh, you guys, absolutely brilliant. Um, my plan is working. Uh, and then, of course, do we vocal warm up? Doesn't have to take a long time, just something to release tension around the neck and the shoulders so that we avoid this kind of jotting um, impetus, uh, uh, some stuff to get the breath going. So anything like uh, lip trills or puffy, or anything like that that gets the vocal folds going and a nice little bit of articulation release. Because I don't know about you, but when I know there's like a few people listening, all of a sudden everything tenses up. That's one of my nerve kind of my adrenaline things. So I uh, I always do more articulation release when I'm uh, no one being directed live. 
So I get my tongue going and I get my lips going and I make a lot of silly faces. Sam, for for, for directors, yeah. um, what what do you think is what do you think are some good ways that you can help your voiceover to feel comfortable in the room once they arrive? And once they actually arrive, uh, well, I suppose there are there are a lot of things. I mean, if if in terms of prepping them, so making sure, and also actually going back, the other thing that I would say from a voiceover perspective is if you do get the script through, don't overread it before you go into the session, because if you overread a script, you're liable to kind of set in the kind of cadences that you think they need and the pace and the energy that you think they might need and they might not need that at all. So, so you know, be, be familiar with the words but don't over-rehearse it or come in with a kind of performance. Well, I know we're all used to now doing director's sessions remotely but actually when you walk into... If, if you're doing a director's session in a studio, the chances of you having that script before you go is quite slim. Usually they're shoved at you <laughs> yeah. as you walk through the door. And, you know, you have to kind of go, oh, right, okay. And then quickly, you know, um, assess it. It's slightly easier then because you're actually talking to them in person. But So, uh, actually, so going back, it was how do you make somebody feel comfortable? And why also? Like, what, why? What's, the, what's the point of it? I mean, it seems obvious, but I feel like there might be more to it to say. Well, it, I mean, we all give of our best if we feel confident. We all, if if we feel confident, then we, we feel more relaxed. We are liable to be more, um, we're liable to be braver, make more bold choices, make make choices, make choices at all, actually, and not take the safe option all the time. And a lot of actually doing a directed session is, yeah, giving the giving the read that you think they want, but also it's play, being able to play around, being able to actually use that time to come up with more surprising ways of doing it or, or, or ways that we didn't first think of to do it. And in order to do that, you've got to make your voiceover feel really confident and comfortable and actually um, relax. And that's why it's really good. And one of the ways of doing that, actually, um, is spending the first five minutes just chit-chat, mm. to be honest. Because the worst thing I think you can do, the worst thing you can do is the minute, you know, you're, you're kind of together, you go, right, OK, now let's go. This is what I want you to do. Because we haven't had a chance to acclimatise yourself, to, to sit down, offer them a glass of water if, you're, if they're coming in from outside. If you're doing a directed session, say, if, 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 everything comfortable? Have you got your cup of tea, got your water? You know, have a bit of chit-chat. Because it really makes a difference to how that, that directed session then potentially plays out. Now, a little aside here that I would never have been able to remember accurately in the moment anyway, but a year or so ago, I interviewed Sean Pratt. He is a hugely experienced voice actor and narrator and voice coach. In fact, I'm working with him as a voice coach right at the moment. And at the end of the session, I asked him if he could just give one piece of advice to a voice director, what would it be? And he said this. Find out what will make them the most comfortable during the recording process. That's my one big tip. Because the minute the, narr- minute the talent gets tense, just it can snowball very, very quickly. And then they, they just start overanalyzing and they get tense and they can get aggressive or defensive. And then it's no longer about the book. It's about this, these two egos going back and forth. Yeah, that, it's something as simple as that. So there you have it. Very eloquently expressed... Why is it so important to make your voiceover feel comfortable and secure? Well, it's easy. You'll get a better outcome. And that is what we all want. I, I'm sure that's what we all want. Voice and director. So back to Nick, answering the same question. 
why making a voiceover feel comfortable and confident is so crucial, not just a nice to have. It, from a voice perspective as well, as well, making the person comfortable is going to free up their voice and you'll get a performance that's much better, more varied and more responsive anyway. But also, um, if you're a director in this space working with voiceovers for the first time, I think it's totally lovely if they say, you know, if you've just run in off the tube or whatever, do you need a few minutes to warm up? Would you like some space to make a few silly noises? <laughs> like nobody thinks about that. And I know time is money, but if you give them five minutes just to do a few exercises, they'll they'll it'll settle the nerves, it'll settle them in the space, it makes them feel valued and comfortable and all that kind of thing. So Yeah. But the the other thing with that is right at the top of the session, it's a really good chance to go over all the things that are interesting about the script so the, the things that we will go through when we do the directing and that's who, who who you're talking to what this whole project is about you know and and why you've got you know this particular voice in and also the, the other really good thing if you can if you've chosen them from a particular read maybe you've chosen from a particular read on their reel or maybe they auditioned and gave you three or four different options let them know what that different option was or let them know what the read was that you wanted um, because uh, th- otherwise they're a little bit blind up until that point. That's a very so, valid point. And ask for it as well as a voiceover. Ask yeah. which one. Okay, so what about mid-session snag? What do, you, what, what do you do if you hit a vocal snag mid-session? Well, I think it's important to remember that as a voice artist, you're there as a the talent for the reason of reading the script in the best way you can. So I would give the director in the room the um, sort of grace to understand that if something's going wrong, you might need a few minutes just to reset. And I think it's it's the professional thing to just say, listen, I feel a bit croaky. Can I have a couple of minutes just to just to reset my mind and my voice a little bit because, you know, I've had a busy morning or whatever it is. Being a professional is understanding how you can get the most out of the skill that you've been hired to do. And if there's something going wrong, there's no point in you pushing through because you're either going to damage yourself or you're not going to do a job as well as you could or should or need to. Yeah, definitely. If you take a few minutes and also you can, it, hopefully the director would kind of say, it's all right, we'll turn off all the mics. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. we'll you, save you this for the blooper reel. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole gallery of people right. out there. Um, but uh, so, so you know, if you are the director, you can you can say, look, I'll give you a few minutes, turn off the mics, just give me a thumbs up when you're ready or pop your head out or whatever. So I think one of the main, one of the main problems that we bump up against is when communication falls down so when a director has something they really want to express to the voiceover they really want them to do something and they aren't finding the words somehow to say it that's getting them to do it without just giving them like a line read like do it like this they're trying to avoid that they're saying everything they can say to get it out of the voiceover and they're not getting it or the the the, the voiceover isn't receiving it maybe in the right way there's there's there's, there's some, some sometimes just a breakdown in communication between the director and the voiceover when it comes to giving a note so sam what kind of advice can you give on on how to give notes that that hit the mark? Well, it's it, presumably by that time you have probably done a few reads of the script. So, so if I was running a voice session for say do, doing a promo, which is what I used to do all the time, I would start at the point where they they come in, we'd have a chat. I probably knew them, but if I didn't know them and it was the first time, then we'd kind of do that little introductory bit. Then I'd play them the promo through and, you know, just to say, look, this is what it is. Have it out in the gallery, you know, out actually sitting with them. And so they'd have the script, they'd they'd watch it. I'd always play it twice 
because they're terrified the first time they watch it. <laughs> they think, oh my God, what's it all about? And so the second time through, they can actually start watching it and actually taking the information from it. Then I'd probably talk through, you know, talk through the script or talk through the idea. Then they go into the booth. And at that point, I'd probably, you know, you, the, the, the obvious thing to do would be, so let's just go for it. Let's just go for one. We'll take a bit of level. We'll go for um, one. We just give me what you think, uh, it, you know, it it needs at this point. And that's your benchmark. That's as a director, that's your starting point from where you can begin to layer up, um, to layer up a performance, if you like. What I don't think that I made particularly clear here was that on the one hand, you need to explain the idea behind the project or the script. But on the other hand, it's great if you can avoid telling them how to say the lines before they've even given you an initial read-through. I have definitely myself been in sessions where I haven't even opened my mouth and the director is explaining exactly how they want this or that line said. Now, as a voice, that can be really confusing. And also, the problem with it is, is you feel on the back foot from the get-go because directing a performance before you've even heard the voice read the script or part of the script does a couple of things. It worries your voiceover because they immediately start feeling slightly self-conscious or they're worried that they won't be able to do exactly what you want them to do. So it is almost certainly going to make them feel less confident. It also might spike a natural performance. So you might get a performance from them that you never knew was in there that you hadn't even imagined. And unless you can get their reaction, their first read, you'll never ever have that because you'll have already told them how you want it to be done. The first read is exactly what it sounds like. It's a first read. It doesn't matter if it's bang on the money or totally wrong. It gives you somewhere, as a director, somewhere authentic to start from. And then your job as a director is to bring the actor on board with a bigger picture of what the piece is about and who they're talking to and why. So be confident that your voice actor will deliver. See what they naturally bring to the party and then you can work together. You're much more likely to bring out a great performance if you work with your voice actor. And the other thing is don't, don't give too many notes. I mean, hopefully you haven't got such a tiny amount of time. Sometimes you might only have 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Hopefully you will have booked a voice you're used to working with, if that's the case, and, and know what they're capable of. But, you know, don't book a really tight session with somebody that you've never worked with before. But then you, you are, you're sort of layering it up. Don't give too much information on every read. And the thing is, is if you have this kind of idea set in stone about how you want this to sound, you might be surprised. I've often been in the position where I thought, God, that's a way better read of it than I would ever have imagined anybody could have given. They've, they've, they've picked up on all sorts of things that I wouldn't have, have uh, you know, and I wrote it, you know. <laughs> but so it, it can be really kind of lovely and surprising if you don't over direct. Can you give some examples of what layering up might look like? So you're starting off with a read with no direction. Just give me it how you feel. And then and what, what, yeah. what, what might you add, add on and then add on and then add on? So you'd probably, um, if, 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 if it was quite a, a sort of generic read, you'd, you'd be wanting to get some sort of personality into it. So, so one of the big things is to remind them who they're talking to. That's um, always a, a, a good reminder. Remind them, or, or not even if you haven't even said it, but even give them a role. 
you know, say that you want them. You're, you're sort of, in this scenario, you're sort of a, a, a trusted friend. Or in this scenario, you're, you're a doctor and you're, you're talking to other doctors. Or, you know, you're, a, you know, a, a dentist but talking to a little old lady or whatever it happens to be. So you give them a role to play. That's, that's usually quite, because that, that then gives them, um, you know, a really, a really good idea about what you're trying to get to. And you're looking at the script, hopefully, in an overall way. You're, you're also, you're often looking at the beginning of the script, which is often quite different from the middle of the script and almost certainly different from the end of the script. So you need to point out where that perhaps where that little cell is, where they need to sell something or where they need to warm it up or where they need to be intimate. But don't go all the time. Don't 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 don't, don't give them all that feedback in one go, because <laughs> I, if it was me, I would probably say now listen to the music. The music swell is where it gets, you know, um, I don't know, really dramatic. So that that's about this line. So just, just go with the music at that point and see how that feels next time. And just remember the last two lines, you know, are slightly different in that you're selling it. Now let's, let's see how that feels with those two pieces of information. This answer made me laugh when I heard it. I did answer the question, but I think I need to unpack it a little to make it clearer. There you go, that's live interviewing for you. So, successfully layering up a performance will be different depending on what kind of a project you've got, but the principle is the same. What you're doing is you're taking the voice actor through various stages to build a more nuanced delivery. So let's see how that works for something like a promo. Later on in this season, I'm going to do a whole episode on building characters for gaming or audio drama and other projects. But for now, let's stay with something a little more straightforward. So step one is that very first read-through. After that, you add notes each time, but so that the voice isn't overwhelmed with information. For instance, on the next read, you can remind them who they're talking to and what their role is. Are they a mum talking to other mums? Or a mum talking to a group of preschoolers? Are they a CEO talking to their managers or to some potential customers who they've never met before? Are they the boy next door talking to their mates or to someone who's frightened them? So it's the role and the different scenarios that that role, that that character might be in. Then on the next read, then you can address things like perhaps the timing. Are they hitting the right point in the script? Let the voice know that the line about cities expanding, for instance, needs to go over the right city-expanding visuals. Or maybe just as the music swells, that's when they need to be on this or that line. So they might need to tighten up or leave a pause earlier on in the read. Then on the next read, the next layer, you might want them to upsell slightly at the end of the script or be more intimate at the start or in the middle section. So... The idea here is that they can get comfortable with each new piece of information. Because if you say all that in one go at the start, A, they're not going to remember it all, and B, it kind of stymies any kind of connected read. So, as I say, each project is different, and you can find your own version of layering. But where it comes from is your ability to really listen intently and react to what you're listening to. That's what it's all about. It's not prescriptive. You don't do this and then that and then that. 
you were in the moment doing what is best for your project at that time and trying to be as open and creative and flexible as you can and communicating with your artists. Okay. Um, is there anything that you want to say about line reads? Have you got any opinion about that? <laughs> <laughs> Me, personally. I, there have been times where... Um, I, I personally, as a voice, don't mm. mind a line read if I've got to the 10th time I'm saying it and I'm clearly not getting it. Right. <laughs> then I will accept a line read and I will ask for a line read. But you, you, you might be better off asking, uh, waiting for the voiceover to say, do you know, how would you read this if you were doing it? Often, actually, they don't get it right, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but um, so um, I, 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 I do think line reads are really problematic because what you get is you get the voiceover parroting back you know um what you're saying and you may yourself not be saying it right that's that's the point this is the perfect moment for a beautifully insightful tip from voice actor and director stefan cornicard he is talking here about his pet hate which is the line read and why directors should be leaning into the talent of the voiceover not simply requesting a repeat-after-me line read. Line readings is when the director feels the need to actually say the line the way he wants to hear it to the actor in the booth and expecting the actor to just mimic the tone that he has been given. The issue with that is that it sucks the life out of performance. It makes a mockery of what being an actor is. And, and it's a lazy, lazy way to direct. Line readings have a place, but the place is as a last resort, when everything else has failed, when words have failed, when images have failed, when similes have failed, when adjectives and adverbs have failed. And even then, they should only be used, line readings should only be used once or twice in a session. A good session, a good voiceover session, should be a collaboration where the actor, the director and the sound engineer bring their own talent to the table. What it should not be is the director imposing whatever he or she has got in her head in terms of the way the line should be delivered. It should not be the director asking the actor to become a parrot. So there are a couple of things that also strike me here. Directing isn't being dictatorial. And once again, finding experienced professional voices you can collaborate with is the key. Voice actors who bring expertise and flair to the table are what you're looking for. Anyway, back to the discussion and a few alternative ways to get the performance you need from your voiceover. And giving them a, uh, an emotion underneath it or giving them a, an energy or a reason for saying that or getting them to imagine that they're saying it to their mum or getting a really good note um, I, I've had in the past is um, give me the whole script now as if you're saying it to me for the very, very first time. You've never said these words before. Imagine that you're, you're, you're saying it you know, off the bat. And somehow that recalibrates me, resets me. 
Uh, how about um, so if it's not about how they're saying it, but them um, emotionally speaking, but um, they're getting the word completely wrong. There's a mispronunciation. What about then? Then you can give them a you can give them a, a pronunciation. Right. I mean, we 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 always had. Um, I think I've said it before on the podcast. I I, I used to uh, work for CBBS. And the amount of voiceovers that would get CBBs, CBBBs, CBBs, they would just say it wrong, <laughs> and you'd think, and and it was, it was really difficult, you know, because they'd got it in their mind that it was CBBs, CBBs, <laughs> yeah, CBBs, <laughs> and H's. A lot of wait a, lot of voices a second, do the, wait do the H. a second. That's an accent thing. <laughs> where is it though? It is where I come from. Is it? Would it you say it was I an accent from. thing? It's also oh, okay. a okay. Which side of the wall are you from? Thing where I come from. So mm. you do genuinely have to be quite careful with things like that when it comes to accent. Now that's a that's yeah. a really important point. Like if you are brought in as a, because you've got a particular accent, and the director says, actually, mm. can you say let's take an accent that maybe has what's called th fronting. So instead of a, a they say. Sorry, instead of a they say a as an accent and dialect feature, for example, Yorkshire or um, certain parts Emily. of Scotland, Emily. If you then say, oh, you're saying that wrong, it's not. You're actually sort of censoring the reason they're there in the first place. So I think it's understanding how to open up a dialogue about that that doesn't make that artist feel um, like they're doing it wrong because they're not. You know, so that's an, yeah. I think it's an interesting yeah, yeah. one. In fairness, yeah, I know H is a bit more controversial. It's, no, it is like, no, absolutely. But and and also, if you are the voice and you're being asked to do something that's outside what you would consider to be your the, the natural accent that you're bringing to it, do not be at all uh, backward in coming forward with that because the the point is is that the director Jeff definitely does not know everything, and they they are feeling their way through the script in exactly the same way that you are. So if you've got a really valid point like that to make. That's brilliant because then they can take that on board. Then they'll be that much more informed. And even if they go, oh no, no, okay, I can, I, I can see, you know, that that, that is the case. They might ask for mm-hmm. two takes. They might ask for the for the option. But it's a really good point because fight for your glottals. Yeah, yeah, fight, fight for your glottals. I mm. I did a job for um uh I'm gonna have to say the name other low budget closed doors are available. But I did a job <laughs> for Northern Ireland for. <laughs> Primark, which is what we call it, mm. but obviously everyone else in the world calls it Primark. And I was reading it going, da 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 da, Primark, da 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 da, Primark. And they were like, sorry, it's Primark. And I was like, well, I know, but everybody in Northern Ireland, when I used to live there, and as far as I know, says Primark. So, like, he was like, oh, we didn't know. So we checked and they did. He's like, well, can you just do both? And I said, yes. And they ended up using Primark. Woo, woo, woo. So it's it's to. just about, if you're not going, uh, you're wrong, actually, it's Primark, especially yeah. not a Northern Irish accent. It, but um, you just have to like have the dialogue, the open dialogue, because it does change. Yeah. And and as I say, as a voice, don't feel, you know, that you sh- you shouldn't be questioning things or, or, or putting your point of view across. Not in a, you know, in a bullshit way or anything like that, but just kind of just for information. It's really useful stuff. So I guess the important thing here is that as a director, you need to be really mindful of accents and dialects. Saying that's wrong is definitely something to avoid, but you can capture alternatives. Part of your job is getting the choices that cover you after the voiceover has left the booth. You need them for the edit, and crucially you need them if there are any clients involved. 
That might be alternative ways of saying words, a different delivery speed, a different cadence, depending on accents. I'm sort of thinking here about the way certain um, languages or cultures have an uplift at the end of a sentence, say, that kind of thing. Or even new lines, if you've put new lines in because the script, when you actually hear it, doesn't sound grammatically correct, do capture the original, but get the alternatives in too. But if you can, the, the more positive, the more positive you can be about getting these, the better from the voiceover's point of view. You mentioned getting uh, getting an, an alternative take, and what about what about that uh, that approach, getting as many takes as you can of things. We don't. You don't want hundreds because sure. of course it, it, it makes your post really, really problematic. Um, but uh, yeah, I think often you 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 ask for different takes. It might be an emphasis on a word, or it might be. And actually, it's it's also really good to remember as a voiceover. What we often do is um, when we're not being directed and we do the read, it's incredibly useful for the director to be sent all your stuff, even if you think you've got the perfect read there, because it gives them options. And, and, and also particularly end, end phrases. They might want, you know, if yeah. you can do three or four different ways of saying something, then that's brilliant. Great. Um, because it gives options. Options are great. They're, they're great because you might need to uh, edit something for time. And it might be that the way that you're saying that word um, it, it, it's, it's much, much easier for you to be able to edit that either together or out or whatever it happens to be. So we've spoken a lot then about uh, how to give the notes, but let's talk about how to receive the notes. So um, how do you make sure that you're hearing what it is the director is saying and acting on it? I mean, listen, listen to what they're saying. Obviously, it's quite hard when you're in the moment sometimes, especially if it's your first time in a snazzy studio or the first time in a studio since the before times when we were allowed in studios and you've just been in your own pokey wee hole for like uh, two years. Um, do try and actively listen. And if you don't hear or you need clarification, just say, so can I just check you would like it this way, this way and this way. I definitely always repeat their direction back to them if it's remote because the quality might be bad or you might mishear. So I always just say, OK, so just check in. You'd like it this way, a little bit slower and hit that word on that syllable. And they go, yeah. And then and then you go yep. on. So that those Great. would be my tips. And I'd always yeah. write it down. Mm, just always, yeah. always write it down. Because I end up with a script like covered in like arrows and underlines and brackets and up arrows and it's covered in it. But it's the uh, it's the only way I can remember yeah. it, what they've said. Yeah, never, never go to a session without a pencil with a rubber on the uh, on the end of it. Okay, so what about if um, the director's done their best to say the note in the right way and the voiceover's done their best to hear it in the right way, but for some reason it's still not working. Even a line read at this point is useless. What What's the problem? What do you think the problem might be, Sam, in that situation? Well, <laughs> the problem might be that, of course, uh, you, you, you've either got the wrong VO in in terms of... Um, they're slightly miscast for what you want them to do. But having said that, it's never, ever as bad as you think it is, even if you're the director. And, 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 and I have been in those those situations where I've thought, oh, my God, I why? Why did I? And in fact, I have booked. In the past, I did book a voice and I booked <gasps> the wrong voice. I, I, they, they had a similar name and oh, I booked no. the wrong one. And, and of course, when they walked in, I had to pretend that was absolutely <laughs> who I wanted. And... Um, and you just kind of go with it. So if you've tried lots and lots of different ways of doing it, 
then there is a point where you just have to give up. In fact, I, w- I would say don't try lots and lots and lots of ways of doing it. I think you 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 realise fairly swiftly if somebody is not going to be able to necessarily give you what you need to get. However, it, I have I don't think I've ever actually completely given up on on someone or not used them because um, the, as I say, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. You may find the script is overwritten. So if, if, if it's a timing thing, get very good at, uh, at, at maybe capturing it all and it being long and then recut whatever you've got. Because that's the other option is that, that go, with, go with the overwriting or just be judicious. Cut it down and, and, and get them to do those options and think, oh, well, we don't really need this bit. I'll talk about that with the client later. We don't really need this bit. We can take out this the here. And we can, you know, that there are ways of definitely cutting it down if that's, that's the problem. And um, and just relax. It is what it is. If you have to rebook or you have to do the session again, then it's a pain in the neck, but it's not the absolute end of the world. What I should also have added in here is that it is really nice if you can warn your voice or their agent if you're not actually going to use them. Because you know, they will hear that ad or they will hear that promo and they will hear that corporate video or whatever it happens to be. And if their voice isn't on it, then they're going to be really concerned that they did the wrong thing. Now, there's often a valid reason why you're not using them. The time's changed, or there wasn't enough time to rebook, and there was a voiceover already in the building, or, or something. The client rethought the type of voice, the gender, the age, the approach. Because a voice would feel incredibly deflated or upset if they hear the spot and they're not on it. And then you can reassure them it wasn't their performance, it was just circumstances. And that voiceover, don't ever make that voiceover feel that they haven't, um, you know, st- that they that they failed in any way. Because all it is, is they weren't pot- potentially, they weren't right for that actual um, job. You may want them in the future for, for something else. And, you know, it, 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 the worst thing you can do is, is let a voiceover walk out thinking, oh, my God, that was a terrible session. I'm an absolute failure because they they never are. It's probably that, as I say, you've either miscast or you haven't given the right sort of direction or it was overwritten or all sorts of things. Okay. Well, we've got uh, 10 minutes allocated now for a Q&A and I've been seeing quite a lot of questions questions. popping up. I'll start at the um, top. If you uh, uh, swoosh through them as many as you can, um, I'm going to email the scripts to the people that will be doing the live direction after the Q&A. So watch your inboxes for that, you guys. Joe Ash, with hideous grammar mistakes, is it best to say something or just get on with it and cringe inwardly? I, I, I would say something, mm. I'll be honest. I would say, do you want me to try it this way? Because I, I wonder if this is singular and not plural or whatever it happens to be, um, and, and give them an option. G- g- give it, absolutely say it the way they've got it on the on the, on the the page, but give them an option. Yeah, sometimes I think it makes them feel like you're really invested and you're noticing what's going on and you're, you know, really reading the script. So mm. yeah, definitely say, I would think. Okay, from Leone. I often have clients directing me who might not be very used to it and sometimes there's two or even three people on the line. How do you deal with conflicting direction from multiple people? Good one. Yeah. It's probably good to ask at the beginning of the session who is going to be the main director (laughs) because that then allows them to realise that that's probably a really good thing to do. And that's actually something that as a director you should have thought of if you've got clients and directors and, and so forth before the session began. But if you haven't and you haven't made that clear, 
then just a really gentle, you know, as you're going through that bit at the beginning. So just so I know, who is it that I need to be, um, who, who is it that I'm going to be chatting to for most of this session is, is a really legit thing to ask. Now, it's really, really good to sort this out with any clients or other creatives before the session. There are often different stakeholders, but ultimately, your voiceover needs to be directed by one person. Another approach might be to be upfront at the start of the session if there are likely to be multiple voices and say something like, just so you know, there might be some discussion as we go along, so there may be moments where we need to talk about stuff. But hopefully, I'll be able to translate all that and make sense of it for you. Because that's putting it out there for both the voice and all the other people on that call or in the studio. It's then really clear, you've said it, <laughs> you've drawn that line in the sand. And you've basically said, look, we, we, can, we can absolutely have discussions about this, but ultimately this voice needs to be directed by one person. And a quick aside for this, this is often the reason that the sound goes dead if you're in the booth mid-session. It's not that they're bitching about you. <laughs> it's probably that they're arguing about what they individually need and trying to come to some sort of conclusion so they can go back to you with clear direction. Or they might be choosing lunch, of course. <laughs> that was usually the reason. But anyway, don't be unnerved by the gallery suddenly cutting sound if you're in um, an in-person studio session. We've got more, one more. Um, Brian, can you do your second one? Because I feel like the answer to this might be quite quick, even though the question is quite long. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. So so if you have an idea during during a session that uh, something that might be really, really helpful in your mind to to a read, but it is not in any of your directions, not in any of the things, but like it's bounced off the wall. Is that something that's appropriate to bring up to a director? It's like, hey, can we just do a, a weird take that you might like, you might not? If, 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 if you're not overrunning and you think you've got time, then yes, absolutely. I mean, usually, usually they, they, if they're happy by the end of the session, they're probably happy. But at the same time, you know, if you book for an hour and you've still got 20 minutes and they're not champing at the bit to get out, yeah, absolutely, why not? Yeah, Say, one weird I, take, I, I like it. Yeah, it could be great. It could be great. Sometimes okay. they're the ones you use. Well, let's see how weird we can get then. So next bit is the live direction. And that is where I'm going to leave it today. That last question was a really interesting one. And if you do have time, I'll say it again, if you actually have time in your session, that's the point to make. Have fun at that point and improvise. Get your voice to do something surprising. But of course, you don't always have time, as you will see next week when I go into the live direction part. So this episode was really all about the theory of prepping and running a directed session. And next time, it's all about the reality of it. So I think the big takeouts from this discussion were good planning and a clear script does save you time and it can make the recording session far smoother. As can sharing your music, because it's a really, really good shortcut to getting to where you want to get to faster that might give you a little bit of space. Now, a bit of space in a session is your friend. It allows for experimentation and trying alternatives out. As a director and as a voice, listen and layer up. Find alternatives to those line reads. Now, these are things that all directors can put into practice from today and all actors can take note of 
So if you're nervous about directing, or you think, oh, I don't know what I'm going to bring to the party, it's worth remembering that voice actors are absolutely on your side. They want to give you what you need to make your project work. And clear communication and really listening to each other is often the key to a successful session. So don't shy away from directed sessions because the likelihood of the product turning out the way you want it to really goes up. You're far more likely to get what you want if you direct. (laughs) It's that simple. And of course, you build relationships as well, which is brilliant because then you, you have a much more collaborative feel going forward. Thank you so much for listening today to Talking Creative and a big, big thank you to the VoiceOver Social and Leah Marks and Nick Redman for inviting me to do this podcast mashup. And you can hop over and listen to their podcast about the same event. And of course, there's other different stuff in their cut. So while there is a bit of crossover, you will get extra juicy information from them. And the details are in the show notes as to how to get hold of that. As always, do find me on LinkedIn for more voiceover and voiceover directing chat and information. I'm Samantha Boffin, always here for directing, voicing, and a little bit of coaching if you fancy that. So, until next time, bye. Thanks for listening to Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. If you enjoyed it, do leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode on social media so other people like you can get the best out of their voice actors. And don't forget, you can head over to talkingcreative.co.uk for the whole series.